Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights, as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and welcome to another episode of Swanglinese. Uh, this week I have the pleasure of the company, of the guys that set up a company here in the UAE called Jim Will Fix It, uh, Dan and Colin. And today we're going to get a little bit of an insight into their journey. So welcome to the show guys. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So basically, um, as we've had a little bit of a chat previously, Swanglinese is for the benefit of people on the ground here in the UAE who may be either thinking about setting up a business or have set up a business and are going through this process. And we wanted to give them insight into guys that have uh, done it, basically. And I know you guys are very humble and modest, but you've taken uh, an idea and turned it into a very successful business. And uh, we think that people would love to hear your story, really, um, in terms of where it started and where you are today. Well, um, first of all, where were you guys seven years ago (laughs) when we were looking at doing this? Um, it It was almost barren. Um, if you can imagine it, it was uh, at the stage when we were looking at this, um, it was just before the crash happened. Actually, that happened right at the end of our research process that we'll talk about a little bit, little bit more. Um, but there just wasn't the information out there. So, um, uh, first of all, major kudos uh, to you, Barry, for, uh, for starting this. And I think it's really worthwhile. Um, our journey's been a really interesting one. And... Um, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, with hindsight, uh, I'm not sure I could have imagined at the start. Dan, completely agreed. Yeah, I mean, we we started a, a discussion at the Lakes Club over what sort of business we could do together, having been friends for a number of years, and uh, settled on maintenance. Um, I had no idea that seven years later would be would be in this position. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because a lot of people say we'll put a business plan together for three, five, ten years. Um, you said you couldn't imagine it being where you are today. Is that something that you would you know, advise to, to people that are thinking about this in terms of business plans are obviously very important, but how flexible do you have to be when you come to that business plan? I think the business plan is incredibly important. And uh, in fact, uh, we did it as close to a textbook approach as you could practically imagine within yeah. the market. There's kind of two aspects to that, Barry, which is, first of all, um, from a financial perspective, I think you, you must plan to that degree um, to give yourself um, cash flow forecast, revenue forecast, that kind of thing. Uh, but then at the other side, we're in Dubai. You can't imagine what this place is going to be like in three years' time or five years' time or ten years' time. So you, you have to be totally flexible. Um, we, we produced a business plan that um, we researched incredibly hard. Um, the most kind of uh, real thing that sticks in the back of our mind, I think, was um, we, we literally did questionnaires outside the supermarkets of Dubai um, for months on end, yeah. um, where we'd literally stand outside Chorchums. I'd be outside Chorchums. I think you had spinach, didn't you, Dan? Spinach, yeah. And, um, and we literally carry people's bags for them between the doors of, of the supermarket and their cars and ask them questions at the same time. 
uh, we found if we uh, first night we tried to stop people and as soon as you, they, uh, you did that then everything closes down yeah. but if you offer to carry their bags if they'd answer three questions and you promised you weren't trying to sell them anything <laughs> it's amazing how open people were and what tended to happen was once we put the um, the bags in the boots they'd stand there and just keep talking and ranting at us about the uh, the poor maintenance services that were available here at that time and to some degree still are bizarrely yeah. <laughs> um, and but what it was was absolutely invaluable for us and that was the crux of um, the start point for the business plan because it, it, it tied us in really well um, I don't think it's possible really to work in isolation when you're doing a business plan and you have to engage um, to be effective uh, definitely but I think the, where I really take my hat off to you guys is that it was you guys stood out there and I think that's a really important lesson for a lot of business people now especially with the influx of technology that well, I can start a business online it's easier I can start it from the comfort of my air-conditioned room but you guys were out there um, hopefully not in the heat of summer but well, we, were, we were out for yeah, a good uh, good few months so it, it was uh, but it was a time when we were both working as well so we were working full-time jobs and then going and doing this work in the evenings and once we finished the research we were still working and then putting the, putting the business plan together in in Collins Villa in the evening time start to get the, together typing from start 7 p.m finish at 11 o'clock go back to work the next morning carry on the next evening at seven o'clock and this went on for a period of months right it's, it's really odd though because um, lots of people want to start their own business but for us it was it was a ridiculous level of motivation um, I, uh, I th we were both leaving good jobs and um, neither of us was particularly irritated by what we were doing um, it was we just wanted something more and that level of motivation meant that it really didn't matter that we were um, at 11 o'clock at night you know <laughs> Uh, trying to get um, everything done that we needed to do because there was just nothing really that was going to stop us and it, it's that that level of dedication that I see through all of my friends who've got businesses here um, in the early days that's, that's absolutely critical. I, I often quote, quote my father who had a small business for 40 years he, he said to me many many times nobody will ever work as hard as, uh, as you will work for your business don't expect anybody to, to, to have the commitment and the level of, uh, of motivation that you've got to have to make it work and we, we stuck to that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a really important lesson for a lot of people out there is that if you don't have that motivation, it's going to be difficult because you do have to do things that you wouldn't necessarily think uh, you would want to, especially coming from good jobs. Yeah. Uh, we, I, myself as well came from good corporate jobs and people say, what on earth are you doing? Kind of thing. And uh, I think this is a really important lesson and it's something that I'd like your input on in terms of the expectation. You both left good jobs, paying you well, security, monthly check. What was your expectation when you had this idea for General Fix-It, um, you, you had that discussion and then you went through that process. What was what was going through your mind in terms of the time scales uh, from idea to fruition as it were and how are you going to live? Um, I think I think we both thought we are going to be millionaires inside six months. And you talk about flexibility in the business plan. Our business plan said we were going to be millionaires inside six months. Um, or the version one. I think yeah. by version nine, uh, we'd kind of extended it to a couple well, of years. I remember painting our own office and saying, can we just give up the hard work and just yeah. retire? You know? <laughs> We've done it. Yeah, you were here. Um, but it was... Um, I think, realistically, the first six months was just the biggest eye-opener. Um, 
post-launch. Mm -hmm. And for us, we almost rewrote the business plan on that six months because what we were doing, which was um, ad hoc maintenance, and, and nobody was doing it here at all. Everybody was on a an annual contract with guaranteed cash up front, and um, their model uh, was very much about, okay, I've got all the money up front, I now need to spend the least amount of money to service this contract. So cheap staff, cheap parts, um, and rubbish customer service. Yeah. Well, we went, okay, well, we, we don't need the safety of an annual contract. If we provide great quality, original parts, warranty everything that we do, turn up on time, and be reliable, then people will call us back. But it gives you no financial backup and no cash up front in that scenario, which is the reason why hardly anybody has done it since. Sure. If we'd known now what it was going to put us through as a result and um, you know, the cash flow strain that that causes, I'm not sure we would have, we would have done it. No, we, we factored into the business plan um, a, a certain salary each month for the first two years and we soon realised by about month two that we couldn't afford to pay ourselves those salaries yeah. and it, it led to a period of two years where neither of us took a salary where um, in Colin's case he was draining through his savings, in my case my wife was paying a lot of bills and it was extremely stressful. These are days when you're working 80 hours a week and then you're coming home with no money and your wife's paying all the bills. It's extremely, uh, extremely upsetting. Definitely. But it, and, and it's it's pushing through that that gets you to where you are now, I guess. And, and this is, I think this is a really important point because too many people think it's going to be an easy ride. Um, and in your eyes, in your experience, was it two years or was it three years until you were actually able to draw? Probably two years. Two years until we drew a drew a salary, and yeah. um, probably I don't know four and a half years until we matched our corporate salaries again. Yeah. So four, um, and they say on average four and a half or four to five years to yep. turn an idea into a profitable business, and, mm. and you know you guys you guys are doing it. But I think it's an important um, message for those people looking at starting a business that think it's going to turn into an yep. overnight success. Um, the the other thing that's really critical, um, and it's something that uh, I know so many small businesses get wrong, which is the critical thing isn't supply and what you're actually supplying; it's demand. Mm -hmm. And there are so many uh, businesses that have started up, they saw what we did in the maintenance sector and they tried to replicate it. And um, they managed the supply side you know, relatively well to differing levels, but they can't get the demand. And there's so many people out there that I know who have um, basically tried to go into their own business related to what they did before, uh, because that's where their skill set is, that's where they're comfortable. And um, as a result, they just haven't had the demand. They haven't been able to establish themselves and really get those economies of scale that you need in any business to be profitable. Um, the way that we approached it was um, very much from the demand side. What is it that Dubai needs? Not what's my skill set, what's Dan's skill set. What does Dubai need? How do I match that demand? So to find out what Dubai needs, we did the, uh, the questionnaires. We were solid on the questionnaires. To find out then how we deliver it, we worked 80 hour weeks to learn all those skills. The first six months, one of us was answering the phone to all the customers to get that customer service right, while the other one was on the road, on the roofs in summer, and, um, and working out technically 
what is it that the the qualified technicians that we have do so that we could then explain it to the other business partner who would then um, explain it to the customer yeah. and it, it really was um, that side of things that was that was critical for us making sure that demand is right definitely and I think that's an important lesson for every business is that um, we see a lot online is that people uh, start to play to their own uh, strengths yeah. they think they know best uh, ego gets in the way and they forget that actually the person that pays the bills is the customer and what does the customer actually want so that idea of market research which is why I love the story of you guys outside the supermarkets is integral uh, when I talk about digital we, we have to start saying that your opinion as the supplier doesn't matter anymore if they want a bright pink one you have to make a bright pink one even if you like blue it doesn't make any difference so I think that is so important and still Today, 2015, businesses are doing it the other way around. Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing it from an ego perspective. It's exactly it. Ego perspective. And Dan, you just spoke about um, how difficult it was to have um, uh, partners paying bills. The, uh, the fact that as, a, as a, um, uh, guys from a corporate world, you don't probably realise until you leave it, just in terms of how you're, you feel about yourself and your social status, um, how important that paycheck actually is. So to be stripped of that and then trying to sort of grab those ego elements whilst doing the right thing by your business is something that was extremely difficult. Definitely, definitely. I mean, how long did it take? Because we talk about entrepreneurship a lot, but how long did it take for you to actually have that switch in mindset from corporate security to entrepreneur? I, it, it's a, it was an immediate wake-up call. The, the minute the paycheck starts coming in, it stops coming in, you realise, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yeah. Um, I've got to do something to turn this around. And for us, it was just incredible hard work. But it was an immediate realisation. We had a certain budget in mind for uh, for the business plan. Uh, we raised the funds. We thought we had plenty of money. Um, we actually factored in 30% more than we thought we needed. And we were way out. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, in the early days, we had a fridge full of Picari sweat because we were enlarging it. We we're like, oh, we need energy drinks. We were just spending frivolous money on things that, that we thought we thought we could afford. And then, by the time we'd opened the business and we're you know, we're open open to the customers, we realised, oh my gosh, we, we haven't got enough money to pay ourselves. Right. Now, how are we going to put fuel in the vans? It was take money from the customers one day, put it into the petrol tank the next day. It was it was it was hand to mouth for a long time. Yeah, immediate wake up call. That it, that was exactly it. I mean, the mentality shift to the only, from the frivolous approach and the Picari sweat, to the only money that we're gonna spend is actually going to create money back for us. And when you start taking that approach, um, it, it, it is, it's an absolute mind shift. Um, and it means that you're then focused on that creating demand. And that's really where it all comes to. Um, and it's something that hasn't left us uh, right now. That's the, we're incredibly focused on how to create demand. Even when we have new services, we, we launch generally one or two new services um, every year. Yeah. Um, and how we create demand is almost the entirety of it, rather than the supply, which tends to be quite easy now because we've been through the process many times before. Sure. Actually, there's something that I wanted to talk about because you're just launching a new division or yeah. a new offering aren't you yes um well actually we're on about three at the moment but the one the one that's imminent is um is pure water water fed pole window cleaning right. which basically uses uh, ultra pure water it actually has um zero parts per million of total dissolved solid in it and it works almost like a magnet um for uh, dirt and dust 
Um, it's come out of the UK. It's, it, uh, interestingly enough, the supplier we're using is actually 15 miles away from my hometown. Um, and it's sort of been sent all the way out here to Dubai. Um, but the, uh, the concept of it comes actually out of health and safety, um, which is rather than having your traditional window cleaner going up a ladder um, with his, his bucket, um, instead do everything from the ground. Um, it works out quicker. Um, it does a better job. Um, and again, it's very flexible as well in terms of uh, residential, commercial um, washing. And it can even now, as we found out yesterday, we can get up to 84 feet in the air using this technology. So um, it's, it's really interesting well, for us. Because there's a lot of tall buildings. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think we're quite at the Burj Khalifa, but we'll, we'll have a good crack at anything we'll up to six seven. floors. Yeah. <laughs> from a business perspective, you said you, you, you built your business around demand um, and the, the window cleaning has obviously come out from people asking you for this particular service. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of people in Dubai have um, have some help to clean the interior of the house and get the you know, the windows are cleaned from the inside. But they've got nobody comes and cleans the outside. And we, we both live in in a community full of expats, and and the demand we felt was there that people were asking us for it. And we, I think uh, it's absolutely the case, but in terms of demand, for me, there's kind of two different aspects to it. You've got latent demand, which is already in the market and uh, available to you without doing too much once uh, that contact has been made and they're aware of it. And there's demand that you create as well. Um, two years ago now, duck cleaning done. I yep. guess two years ago we, we started doing duct cleaning uh, and again whilst there are specialist companies out there it wasn't widely known in Dubai and the price point was way too high so we used a new a new system at the time called Rotobrush which um, basically made the whole process much quicker and much more automated and by doing that we were able to bring that price point right down uh, which meant for us still great business but again for Dubai it went from being specialist to mainstream and we literally created the the, uh, the demand for the product uh, by a getting the price point right and then secondly promoting it it's almost like a uh, an active demand generation people didn't know that they needed it until we told them and explained to them the process we were going to use and the price point we could do it at this, this touches on something I think is also very important and I'd like to hear when this became a major part of your business and this is this idea of um, systems, systems and process in terms of when you start a business and you're kind of grabbing everything that is out there to the point where you think, you know what, there must be a better way of doing this. Um, how, A, when did that happen and B, um, what, what, what kind of systems did you put into place to, to help push your business forwards? I think in the early days you have to become yeah, a jack of all trades, so you can't afford to pay anybody to do you know, accounting, so we got Colin's sister doing that. Um, at one stage we were short of drivers, so I was driving, we were short of somebody to get spare parts, so I was doing trips to, to charge every day. Initially we, we, you're doing everything yourself because you simply can't afford to pay people to do that. Um, as we started to, to, to grow the business, we started to put the systems in place of, okay, we need an office driver because there are so many spare parts we need. We need somebody going to charge it daily to pick up air conditioning parts and, and plumbing parts. And then as we, we got slightly bigger, we, we realized we can afford an accountant. So we yeah. take the job off Colin's sister and, and you bring in an accountant. It, for us, it was just growing the business and, and putting systems in place as and when we could afford them. We constantly improve those systems. Um, interestingly enough, we, um, we just got nominated for the, uh, the MasterCard Small Business of the Year Awards. And as part of that process, we had to present to, uh, to the panel that we had there. So um, one Sunday morning, I said to Dan, I wonder whether or not we can actually build the process of what we do in one slide. 
Um, and we sat with our whiteboards. We love whiteboards, Baz. Yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. Two, two here, and there's another four upstairs, I think. But we literally um, were on a whiteboard for, oh, must have been two or three hours, um, just literally planning the process that we do. And because we've been refining it now for seven years, it's really at a stage where um, it's both complex but extremely efficient as well. Um, we then tried to get a graphic designer to be able to uh, convert it from the whiteboard image to something we could use in a PowerPoint, and uh, that took him another three days, I think, to get it uh, to get it absolutely right. But um, again, that, that we've, we just refine, 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 and it's a constant process uh, to do that. And again, as the market shifts, you often need to just change uh, change your processes to match that as well. Definitely, yeah, and I think that's uh, something that we do online as well. That things change so quickly that you have to be flexible enough. Do you think you'll ever get to the stage where you're um, too big to be flexible? People talk about, and you have experience of working for the corporates, where the flexibility isn't there just to this, due to the sheer size of the organisation. They can't move as quickly as they would want to. Is that something that you envision happening, or are you always going to maintain this? What I, th I think as we've grown, we've managed to bring in um, structure in, in, internally into the business uh, brought in some, some very smart guys from the UK and we now have a whole team of managers uh, working at, at various aspects of the business to, which means we're not doing everything ourselves it means sometimes you get so close to the business you can't see the wood for the trees you're just working on it day in day out but when we bring in uh, bring in external man, you know, management support now they're, they're invaluable and they, they keep an eye on things and you know, we, we sit down with a, a, a very very smart forward thinking accountant who will often say did you guys not think about this do you not think about that and we say wow we we were so close to the business, we just didn't even know that didn't cross our minds. Yeah. It's about bringing in intelligent people to, uh, to, to keep you on your toes. Um, we, we have a really strict um, planning process as well. Every year we go through kind of about a, a normally a three stage planning process for the next year and beyond because um, we have to stay adaptable. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so far it's been every two years where we've really fundamentally blown the business apart. And then try to put all the bits back together again in the new size or the new uh, the new shape that the market requires, and it, it's it's a really painful process. Uh, luckily, this year is not a blow up year. <laughs> we can we can have a little bit of a gentle end of the year. But when when you are doing that, it takes um, uh, this business is incredibly capital intensive. Um, you know we've got uh, more than thirty vans on the road now, and um, uh, Dan and I own every one of those vehicles. Um, so from a capital perspective that's really important but it's making sure that you're spending that money on the right things exactly as it wasn't day one in a way but just the implications and the numbers have a few more noughts on them these days but again that planning process and bringing in third parties um, for their expertise is is critical um, we sat down with a genius yesterday to talk about new phone systems and um, he really did you'd, you'd have loved him Barry but he, he talked in binary as far as I was concerned but all my job is these days is to make sure that I've got the right people there who know what they're doing in their field and um, and then just let them get on with it um, so we're, I mean we're now sat in the um, in the downstairs um, office that Dan and I have which is separate from the main floor and that was a massive move for us we did it what three years ago yeah and um, to not be in the same room as uh, you know the uh, the 15 odd support staff that we have upstairs uh, and to give yourself that space to actually think more widely about the business and, and become a general manager which is kind of what our roles are now um, was a was a real strategy strategy shift for us it's so important to it's a cliche but to be on your business rather than in your business but it takes time 
and this idea of, of getting the right people in the right place as well is so important and it's a difficult a difficult scenario for most businesses because as you said Dan it's about being able to afford to do it but as soon as you can afford to do it do it because as soon as you can take that hat off and put it on someone else you yeah get the time and, back. and for us it was we had a transition from what's the minimum we can pay to get somebody in who can do that job we're now at the stage we need to retain the best people in the market so we were you, know, you have to expand your offering to make sure that those people will stay with you long term and we, we've been very fortunate that we, we have excellent retention at Jim will fix it yeah. our uh, I say our average staff stay with us for four years so yeah, far, three four to four years. Which is a long time in Dubai. In terms, Dubai terms, yeah, yeah exactly. An eternity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. I think it's, it's something that a lot of businesses that have any ambition to grow have to think about. And a lot of people start a business not necessarily thinking they're going to get to uh, any sort of size. Other people start to thinking we're going to be the biggest and the best in the region. And then the reality hits them as that that's possible, um, but it's going to potentially take a little bit longer than they originally thought. Um, from from your perspective, um, we're going to wrap it up uh, here because we, we try to keep our podcast mm. short and sweet. Do you guys, maybe one or two points each, something for uh, future entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs at the moment that are thinking about starting a business, just the, a, the biggest lesson that you learned and a top tip uh, moving forward, some, a hack that you might have, something that you learned along the way that you would you know, want to share with those kind of people, just those, those, those kind of things to help. I think um, the first one is a bit of a Dubai-specific one, um, which is um, don't get bogged down in the official rules and regulations. Find somebody to do that for you, so that way you can focus uh, on your business and demand. Be my key theme, I think, for this podcast. Um, In terms of, uh, in a way, that's almost like a, a hack as well, I guess, um, because that is like a quick route to to focusing on what you actually need to do Um, and uh, probably uh, reassessing on a regular basis and uh, being prepared to reinvest when that money's in your bank account it's quite difficult to say actually I'm not going to take that even though I've had very little cash for the last couple of years but I want my business to be even bigger and to be stronger so to reinvest that back um, the second time or the third time or the seventh time I think is more difficult. For me, I'd say the quick tip would be when you're putting together your business plan, whatever budget you think you need, double it, and then you might be somewhere near what you actually need. Yeah. Um, secondly, for, for us, for, for growing a business like ours, it's been all about all about customer service. Well, your customer services are would be my number one tip. It's not rocket science to treat customers with respect and to deliver on the product that you've promised. And um, for us, customer service is, is our number one priority. Brilliant. No, and I think that's awesome advice, uh, especially here in, in the Middle East, the level of customer service uh, can be questionable, uh, so a good one to focus on. Um, guys, thank you very much for your time and congratulations on what you've done. Uh, I'm absolutely in awe of what you've actually achieved over the last seven years. It's fantastic to see business succeeding, especially in this environment in the UAE, in Dubai. It's not easy. Uh, thank you very much for your time, guys, and time to see you soon. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Barry. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.